That's so true that every spirit has its kind of specific effect and to each person it's a little bit unique. But, you know, I, when I think of rum, I definitely think of like the way that I first started drinking rum, which was on a beach in the Caribbean. And to me, it's like rum is, rum makes you feel relaxed and like definitely like you want to hang out and have some long conversations yeah. and and then maybe have a dance party in the end. <laughs> right. It's like this, this pensiveness and this this kind of need to engage intellectually, but then yeah. I'm taking my shoes off. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. Kind of <laughs> Whereas maybe whiskey's a little more pensive and kind of like aggressive. Some people have told me that before too. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I guess it definitely has a lot of pensive people who like to drink it. That, yeah, <laughs> f- a kidding. few punches have been thrown, I think, in the <laughs> yeah, name maybe, of maybe. Hemingway or Fitzgerald <laughs> or whoever. Well, so this story is interesting because you end up in San Francisco, which is a beautiful haven of spirits and culture. Yeah. Warmth-ish compared S- to Minnesota. Right? yeah. <laughs> but I do notice that there's this interconnectedness. And I read a couple things you wrote when you were at the University of St. Thomas. Is that that's correct? Right? That's correct, yeah. And it's very entrenched in nature, environment, environmental science, of course, your degree. But this whole story starts out in Minnesota. Yeah. So are you, ag- <laughs> I don't want to make any assumptions about Minnesota, but is it agricultural when you're growing up? Is it metropolitan? Well, no. I mean, yeah, a little bit of both. I didn't grow up on a farm, yeah. but um, farms are like of- just a just a quick <laughs> drive out of the city. Yeah. yeah. So um, for me, it was a little bit, my grandma lived outside of the cities, Mm -hmm. um, not on a farm, but, you know, my great grandparents were farmers. Yeah. Um, And I think that sometimes maybe those things do kind of trickle down and stay with you. And by the time I was at the university, I was just getting so deep into biology and and specifically ecology and learning about environments and thinking about the world as like environmental systems yeah. that are connected or disconnected as like humans make their mark on the earth. And yeah. um, <laughs> agriculture was definitely like thinking about urban agriculture specifically was what I got into. So yeah. thinking about like as people, as we have these trends of people moving into cities and, you know, like it's estimated that in the next five years, like 50% of our population is going to inhabit in cities so, like, what does that mean for fresh food for people? And, you know, we have these, like, concepts of food deserts mm-hmm. in well-developed places, in cities, yeah. you know, where people don't have access to fresh food. So that was really, like, for me, it's kind of just everything keeps, the plate just keeps getting more filled with all of these things that are connected. Starting off working in the restaurant industry and getting really into, like, food and cooking and yeah watching how kitchens can be efficient or not in how a series they, of systems. Yeah, right? yeah. A series of systems. And, um, and then like kind of getting just deep into the science of agriculture and th- thinking about how we produce the food that like fills our grocery stores. It's just like mind blowing, Absolutely, <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's interesting because it's got this genetic piece when you talk about your great grandmother, mm-hmm. when did you, so, so your parents, are they, what industries are they in? Is it anything kind of similar to this? Well, no. So my dad was a union laborer okay. for 30 years. Um, and my mother was, you know, like a, a homemaker and yeah. a waitress on and off. And I think that because of her taking me to like, you know, take your daughter to work day, yeah. and like, you know, just hanging out at the restaurant with her was where 
I kind of fell in love with just like those ideas start to percolate. They do. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is kind of a cool place. And then like you just feel there. like at home when you're in restaurants yeah. and then you're working in them and then it just keeps <laughs> spiraling <laughs> from there. You in. This, yeah. <laughs> so then high school and all of that, this academic pursuit, because you seem, you know, insightful, like you, you like to write, you're articulate and all of this. So this kind well, of focus you. on absolutely this focus on education was this the path all along, like your your folks or maybe self-guided? It wasn't, no. actually. So after high school, um, I took four years off. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it was a, a really great time of really self-discovery for myself. I, I went to university for a semester and then quickly realized that I had a lot of other ideas of yeah. how to spend my time. What are some of those, in those ideas? In those 18, 19, 20. So I actually... Um, a good friend of mine and I got scuba certified and wow. we had a mutual friend who had been scuba diving for a long time and we went down to Roatan, Honduras. Honduras. And Jeez. we're scuba diving around so from Belize all the way down the Caribbean coast there's mm. it's the second largest barrier reef in the world. I don't realize. So that. it's a mecca for scuba diving um all the way from Cozumel all the way down in Mexico wow. all the way down. So um we were on this little, kind of still not that well-known island, Roatan, yeah. which is only like 30 miles long. And there are just so many beautiful dives all around the island. And we're like hanging out with locals. And it's almost like this kind of Rasta vibe. Uh-huh. And, and we're like, what do you guys drink? You know? And they're like, well, we drink this local beer and we drink this rum, Florida Cana. Amazing. And so that's actually how I first... Fate, like learned about Florida Kanye was on that island scuba dive. like it's such a magical story but can, can you have like a better introduction to rum than that <laughs> to rum I know and like it's if you so can picturesque. imagine yeah. before that all I knew of rum was like Malibu right, and spiced right. rum and you know like the kind of flavored or like let Limon Bacardi Limon and we yeah. were like you know just that's what we had so well so when you think about the one of the coldest states in the nation. And, it's <laughs> and rum of, is so perfect. <laughs> right. Well, so it's like this duality. I got to get back to Minnesota. <laughs> do, so do you think that you were drawn to these warmer places because, frankly, it's it's really shitty in the winter in Minnesota? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean. You got to get out of we it. We have seasonal affected disorder. Yeah. Like, you can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, yeah. Re- I didn't realize. No. So it's like it, it's it's kind of one of the things about gr- living in a cold place is you have all these excuses to run away to the Caribbean. <laughs> As if you need an excuse. Yeah. I'm going to try to find something. The humidity here is too it's high too today. High, I, yeah. I need to get out. I need to take a week off. For the <laughs> this makes a lot of sense, though. And so when you think about nature and ecology and the environment, were you thinking about where the rum came from? Because you're immersed in this particular terroir. Not at that time. Yeah. Not at that time, I wasn't. So, you know, back then it was really, I was still so focused on food and agriculture yeah. and the project that I did at St. Thomas was such a great way to really bring that to life. I, um, a couple of students and a really well-supportive instructor, mm-hmm. uh, professor rather, um, helped us do a little grant writing and build a garden that was all about biodiversity in a vegetable garden yeah, and really focused on this thought of like, how can urban agriculture be useful? Can it be efficient? Mm-hmm. Is it actually a good use of those uh, ingredient, like nutrients? Sure, sure. And instead of like having these big monoculture crops, can we grow on a smaller scale 
and have a lot of yield in in like a biodiverse setting. What did you find out? So we found that um, the first year we found that it's really hard to like do a project of that scale. And we didn't have very good results the first year. But the second year, it was like this combination of knowing how to manage the garden, knowing how to manage like getting people to come help you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's one of those things. <laughs> so those skills really have stuck with me and translate totally to this job where yeah. it's like you're coming to Austin and you're going to throw a party. Like how do you get the people there, right. you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we found in the second year that certain plants did really well in the in the biodiverse setting. So well, we could, had... Do you know a couple of them? I love... Yeah, so we had opinion. eight different crops that we grew. Uh-huh. So... Um, out of the 32 plots that we had, 16 were a monoculture crop, so just tomato plants okay. in one plot, just potatoes in one plot, et cetera. And then the other 16 were a random mix of the plants oh, cool. together. Okay. So we found that, like in the monoculture setting, the potatoes did really well mm. because of the way that you plant them. You like plant them in a row, and it's just yeah. they, they do well. We've all the Martian, right? They like- do well like that. <laughs> Um, beans also did really well like that. But then, you know, in the diverse setting, in the right kind of planting scheme, like the tomato plants would get really lush and then they would protect the cabbage from like burning in the sun. And wow. Like, so yeah. like certain things really flourished in that in that diverse setting. Just finding the right configuration. Specifically, them, right? yeah, That's specifically amazing. our tomatoes. Like it wow. was it was really kind of cool to see actual significant results come out of that. Yeah. So given that we are it's very, I think every day is interesting, but I think this era is particularly interesting yeah. as we're kind of both in our 30s and we've seen things through the 80s kind of emerge and greed. And now we're really focused on the environment to a degree. However, done a lot of damage globally. Are you worried for the globe? Do you think that it is too late? Some people are saying that, you know, it did, climate change, all that aside, but just the effort. So there's this whole thing, you know, like in environmental science and in conservation biology that... You know, there's like this psychological component to Mm. it that there's like fear that we've ruined the world and there's no coming back. And I think that that, you know, everything is relative. Mm. Like if we're if we're comparing the world today to, you know, when the world was untouched, like, yeah, we've really (laughs) good then too. There was like there was no oxygen at one point, too. Right. You know, I think that. I think that there is hope. I think that we are in a bad situation. I think that it's kind of, you know, when I was studying however many years ago now, you know, it's when you're like in academia and you're so submersed in it, you think like things are really radically going to change. And like, how could people not see that like climate change and, you know, our glaciers in Antarctica Mm -hmm. are like depleting at a, at a crazy rate. And, you know, is this normal? Does the world just go through fluctuations? And, you know, all of those things are are great to have be part of the conversation. But mm. what I think is more important is to have people thinking and having conversations about, like, how does food grow? Mm. How does sugarcane end up becoming rum and end up in your bottle? Like, because understanding the systems and the way that the world works makes you think about the world differently and you make choices because you have a different worldview Mm -hmm. and you don't think about like, you know, I don't know, 
your water the same way. I mean, like living in California has really opened my eyes right. to water too. Yeah, the drought was massive. Yeah, and like the wildfires that have yeah. now come you through. You can smell, and, right? Like, yeah. You can see them and smell them. Yeah. And you can make you cough. So, I mean, like the conversation easily gets really heavy and really dark and really negative right. feeling, but um, I don't think that that's the point of people who work in sustainability and that work in, you know, like climate change or or agriculture and stuff like that because you want people to talk about it and you want people to see that like it's not all that hard right you know like especially with the access to technology the accessibility to people like you to knowledge itself right? yeah but i mean like change is hard and like when we have our idea of <laughs> yeah, how to live in the world hard, right? <laughs> you know it's like but when you know it's just a it's just a thing like that you, you, we have mental barriers to right. it. Well, and we're but, stubborn. And we're stubborn. And, There's you know, we like our on. things. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's true. But, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's a great thing is that people, they always think alcohol is this vice, right? Mm-hmm. But there's this rich tradition there. There's history. There's culture. There's Taiwan. All these great things. It's actually a nice conduit, a nice peek into the process. Because yeah. they're like, well, this makes me feel pretty good. All right, we'll talk about it. Right. right? <laughs> Whereas maybe they put you at arm's length typically when you're just selling a product. But when you enjoy alcohol, there is this going backwards. It's an industry in Nicaragua. There's people there. There's yeah. the way that they live. It's the way they travel. You know, it's crazy. Totally. And you're right. Like, there is a lot of history and, you know, a lot of spirits come from, you know, like a farming, yeah. you know, like it was, let's celebrate. We've gotten through this harvest season mm-hmm. or we have all these apples left over or, you know, we've been processing and making our sugar, and now we have all this molasses. Yeah. Why wouldn't you make some rum? It's a celebration <laughs> of agriculture. It is. Truly. You know? And, you know, for the for Florida Cana, that was definitely um, the roots of how this brand even became a thing, was yeah. they were making sugar, and it was just, they were making rum just for the local people yeah. around the distillery, and it just was, like, more and more popular every year. So, like, from 1890 to 18. 18- uh, to 1937, it wasn't a brand yet. It no was kidding. just like a local favorite and cool indie underground band that you were like going to see, right? <laughs> you know the 1890s, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's fun to be the person who gets to tell this really long fun story because sure. Nicaragua. The more I've gotten to know it, is such a crazy cool country too, yeah. and the people are amazing and. You know, it's like I every time I go down, you know, people will be like, so you work for Florida. Con-? You know, I like yeah. represent Nicaragua oh, in amazing. many senses. Sure. So people are like, OK, they give me like their approval. And I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <A statesman. laughs> that's yeah. A, I mean, that's a really brilliant position. It's it totally is. And, and I, so- I take it really humbly like that yeah. because, you know, like a, a lot of times people are like, well, you don't speak Spanish. You're not. Latin like right. like no but but why does that have to be the case and 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 I and my my thing is like I fell in love with this rum a long time ago and from that moment until now spent a lot of time like getting deep into the bar industry right. and kind of back to what we were talking about like moving to San Francisco yeah what was the impetus for moving yeah to San so it was it was graduating and having that environmental science degree under my belt and you know, thinking about the Bay Area and just what the ideology the, of it, yeah, yeah, from from like a food standpoint all the way to like you know every household compost and yeah. you know it's just 
it was a lifestyle that I was really wanting. Mm. Um, I was it jarring at all? Like the shift from not the weather necessarily, but just like how you are basically so compact. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> it's so funny. I moved to San Francisco with like two thousand mm. dollars and <laughs> my sister who I lived with for oh. a little bit. Um, so I the first couple years were really just like they flew by. I was yeah. working a lot of restaurant jobs and. I think that for me, that made it feel normal because mm-hmm. that was what I was doing back in St. Paul when I was in school. I was like pulling shifts and going to school. And it was like this really fast paced, high energy time in life. And then yeah. I like went to San Francisco and just kept that momentum. So going. you already had it. Like I call it the treadmill effect. Yeah. Like you get okay. off and you're like, life slows down. It's yeah. Like, Whoa, I, I, feel I don't like want to get back on. Moving, right? <laughs> But if you just stay on, yeah, it feels pretty normal. Yeah, so yeah. I kept flying, <laughs> running on that <laughs> Sprinting. treadmill. Sprinting. Yeah, but I met a lot of great people right away in the city. And San Francisco's bartender community is super tight-knit mm. and and really, really intelligent people that take what they do very seriously. And that became really fun for me, thinking about the agriculture that goes into spirits, the science of fermentation and distillation and those things weren't concepts specifically with alcohol that i had dove deeply into before Mm -hmm. um so it's just like another class you think about it it's like another discipline of of a bigger degree yeah right booze there's booze i love the word booze right there's like well how does it taste okay cool yeah how's it made where's it come from right who are the people so it's really in this lifelong journey there's so much to learn there and i think that i realized too that Sometimes, like, science is scary to people. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes, right? I know, that sounds so silly. But, like, you know, just feeling comfortable talking about a concept like fermentation. Yeah. And and seeing people, like, make connections. Like, one of my favorite memories was um, this bar that I was managing in San Francisco. And these ladies, like, older ladies came in. And they were like, you know, we have, like, all these whiskeys, all these spirits, all these cocktails. And we have, like, a couple wines on tap. And they're like, we'll have the wine on tap. And and then they were like, well, maybe a martini. And then they like didn't get that like one was a fermented beverage and one was a distillate. Yeah. They just thought it was all alcohol. <laughs> and so we got into this really fun conversation, though, about like the difference. And yeah. they were really putting it together. And I'm like, at 60 years old, you're learning about something that you've engaged with probably most of your life. Absolutely, and right. you're learning kind of for the first time what it really is. Yeah. And like, how cool is that That's to be really like the person who opens your eyes to like the just inherent differences between wine and vodka (laughs) (laughs) you like that aspect of this job the the the, the educational i love that part yeah i really do and i i just i love people too so that's you know kind of i think something that has always prevented me from like getting into like a science-based career because this job allows me to really like pull on all of those passions but mm. also meet people in so many places and i meet great people everywhere i go like there it just never ceases to amaze me yeah. like how crazy and big and diverse our country is first of all like yeah. if you give it credit it will always impress you <laughs> yeah right but i think the problem is sometimes people with these blinders or these lenses are so myopic yeah they don't, they don't want to believe that people and people are great. think they know more than like <laughs> you know it's like don't don't think you know something yeah. about a place you've never been yeah. and i think like for me too like growing up in minnesota like a lot of people think they they're like is it michigan is it minnesota where are you from and and like think that it's the movie fargo right, right, right. <laughs> and then i'm like yeah but you know like 
We had Prince and, you know. Who's Mike Drop. No. Yeah, dude. Well, the re- are the replacements from Minnesota too? Yeah, they are. Yeah, so yep. I was talking about this just like, yep. I don't know why Minnesota came up, but we were talking about it last night. <laughs> See, it's more stunning place than people would believe. So maybe I, I carry that, you know, badge with me yeah. when I'm going to like St. Louis and people are like, God, <laughs> St. Louis. And I'm like, no, it's cool. Like, there's so much history there too. Yeah. And, you know, I, I find I find fun in everywhere I go. And, That's amazing. And it's thing. so cool to get to like be the person who gets to like go to all those places and talk about rum too. You know, here's an interesting tangent on this. And this is all part of the of narrative, right? So all this makes it makes perfect sense how you ended up in this role. And we'll talk about how that kind of came to be that relationship with William Grant and Sons. But people thinking that they know things, <laughs> making assumptions, presumptions. Mm-hmm. The, the interesting climate for women at the moment, right? And William Grandsons, to their credit, has amazingly strong and bold women that are at the helm of these beautiful brands. Do you find any challenges or any obstacles in what is ultimately a male-dominated industry, which I hope changes, but do you find that it's easier or more difficult for you as a woman to penetrate into these minds and these egos? Yeah, so, I mean... I think that we definitely live in a male-dominated world, first mm. of all. <laughs> like, um, not to get too, like, heavy on that, but, you know, I think that men and women, you know, we're always – it's so interesting, like, beyond the, the thought of, like, women in the workplace, too. It's, like, this thought of gender, right? Yeah. Like, and what does that really mean to be, like, male or to be female? Yeah, and it's – it's not something that I think is really fair to define. Like, I I think that sometimes in the workplace, I do have to kind of, like, set up my credibility a little bit more than my mm. male counterparts. Yeah. Like, there's something about just being dressed up and having that male presence that, that does something to a room. Yeah. But there's also something about having that confident female presence that does something different to a room, too. Yeah. And there's something that, you know, if you have, like, a not very easily identified gender that does something different too. Like I recently saw a comedian in New York who is a woman who has kind of a a more male appearance Mm -hmm. and, but she's a woman and she was talking about like her experience of people thinking she's a man all the time and like how she rolls with it and is like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it, and it's like, so really I think that, Life depends on totally what you bring to the table. Yeah. And I, if I'm looking like really feminine or somebody, you know, like oftentimes what happens to me when I go to a bar and I ask for a daiquiri, mm. people be like, hey, I don't, I don't have a blender and I don't have strawberries. And I'm like, oh, the blonde girl totally wants a strawberry daiquiri. Oh like it happens so much. And it wow. kind of cracks me up because then it, creates this platform though for me to be like do Perfect. you know what a daiquiri is yeah. <laughs> and the tables quickly turn and you know it's the dynamic just like you get to hold that it's i i think be right gender is a great way to describe it because there are many different types of gender now yeah it's almost like ambiguous in some sense but that's okay but it's all really about power dynamic yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah. Like, oh, you want to? I don't have a blender. It's like, yeah. Well, you know, that's not how this is made. Let me tell you. And I don't know if, like, if I should really, if this is fair or not. But I think that sometimes fe- people feel a little bit safe with women too, like to oh, I, ask questions absolutely. and to. So a lot of times, what I try to do is provoke dialogue and yeah. not be like the speaker too much, but like because I, 
I've learned the most things when I listen to other people and mm. hear how they're thinking it through and like if they're actually connecting the process of like, you know, fermenting molasses right. or, you know, making that cocktail, um, et cetera. So it's a yeah. good way. I mean, it's all about, <laughs> again, the Motley crew of brand ambassadors, of William Grant says, <laughs> everybody has their unique communication style. Yeah. Their backgrounds are completely different. In a way, I was thinking of you guys as the Avengers the other day. Now, I don't know who is who yet, right? Like, I don't know who'd be <laughs> Thor. Probably, I mean, because maybe Trevor, because he got that ponytail thing. But and the, and the loud, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. He's not really built anymore. But that's all right. that's all, he's in good shape. But he was, you know, he used to be a baseball player and stuff, probably a little bit bigger. But it's a really great thing to hear the process yeah. and what your paradigm is about learning and engaging with other people. So, you know, you've built this great academic career you're traveling have this early connection with florida Kanye, and, and nicaragua and then or excuse me honduras and then you come to san francisco you build a lot more credibility probably seen many drink recipes come out of that era in the oh, yeah. career right how do you meet what's that conversation like with william grant sons where they're like hey oh. how's it going <laughs> yeah um well it's actually very funny um, that you asked because it, it's a fun story. So I was managing a bar called Smokestack mm. in San Francisco, and um, I got to put cocktails on the menu. And at the time, I was like reintroduced to Florida Kanye through like my William Grant person yeah. who works San Francisco. And I was like, oh, my God, Florida Kanye, of course, I'll use that. Like I haven't had it in years, yeah. you know. And so I rediscovered it in many ways like for the first time again and particularly with the seven year um, because I was managing a whiskey bar and I was getting just kind of tired of like whiskey, 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 like all the time. And I made like a spirit forward kind of more, I guess, whiskey like cocktail with the seven year. And it just was like literally right time, right place. I was working lunch and, um, the William Grant team came in with one of the guys who works for Florida Kanye and kind of on the spot, he was like, Hey, we're looking for a brand ambassador. No way. I think you should apply. <laughs> I love your cocktail. You're great. It was just like so fast. And the William Grant people were like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like, um, so it just really, but when, it, when it's like when you meet that person, I was like, you and know, then you I had to go out. through the interview process. So it wasn't like, <laughs> it right, wasn't like a done deal. Is that but... a pretty gruel? I've, I've talked about that with many of you guys. Yeah. As well. Is it a grueling process? I mean, just... I think that it is. Yeah. Because it takes a little <laughs> bit of time yeah. and they ask you, you know, really vaguely to like, just put something together that you're passionate about. And that's right. like so open-ended, but you know, for me, it's like, I just really, basically told them the whole story of what I've t- I mean, been telling yeah, you today because you're... it's like it, yeah. I was like I kind of went into it I'm not gonna say like cocky but I was like happy with what I was doing sure. and I was like this I don't even really know what I'm getting myself into here but like they'll either want me or they won't you yeah. know and it was like I was kind of like okay with it no but that's way. a great thing because you're way better in an interview when you have <laughs> nothing to lose honestly <laughs> totally you're like Meh. And then you get a little bit of air, just this like nice shroud yeah. of arrogance, you know, that really pays off sometimes. And maybe some like fun stories too. Sure. Like living in San Francisco is a very interesting experience. Yeah. And the bar that I was managing um, is also a brewery. So yeah. it's a it's Magnolia beer and all of their beers are like these English style bitters that have names and homages to Grateful Dead songs. Oh, amazing. So like along the way, um, 
the drummer from the Grateful Dead <laughs> is like coming in and regu- being a regular at the bar oh, with his man. wife and his Rolling Stones writer. And just like his his wife is hilarious, like telling me all these stories of like how Billy perfectly like doses her acid. <laughs> <laughs> and so suddenly I'm like telling this story in my interview and I get like our CMO to laugh. And so like Amazing, it's yeah. like, okay. It's really sometimes all it comes down to is just sure. like having a good story or like a connection. Just a little bit of a spark. Something like memorable. That. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you start with Florida Kanye? Um in 2015. 2015. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah. coming up on two years. Yeah. Two years. Yep. So just just past two years. And um it's been it's been such a wild road, like being two years into the travel schedule and yeah. all of that stuff. It's <laughs> funny how Things that you never thought would feel normal, like become your normal. <laughs> right. Well, you can take on, I always consider success and at least ambition, the taking on of more weight. So you're bench pressing 20 pounds. You're always even at another five. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that. This. It's slow, but I can do it. But eventually you build the strength, keep putting it on. And you're capable because you're stronger, right? Totally. Mentally, physically, et cetera. So this, I am beyond excited to talk about this aviary pop up here this evening. Yeah. City. But I would like to talk about one, I want to sip something near Rome just because, I mean, I'm a greedy, yeah, I'm greedy person. Right now. Yeah, please. <laughs> and this being the one that reintroduces you ultimately to Florida Kanye, let me know a little bit about how you feel about this Rome, how it's made, yeah. and some things kind of harkens back for you. So, so, so basically, you know, like the world of rum is kind of hard to learn about because we don't have a lot of rules and regulations. And things to guide you through the category, right? So I like you, that, though. It is fun. Yeah. No, and I like it, too. But it, I think it's something that makes people have, like, some misconceptions about rum. Mm. Like, they've had one, they've had a rum in the past that's, like, either super sweet or maybe has, like, a pot distillation and is really heavily and fusily, yeah. and they, they don't like that. And then they kind of, like, wrap up the whole category of rum sure. and, like, that one experience and set it aside forever. So... What I tell people is like, if you're looking to get into rum, I think Florida Kanye is a great place to start because the flavor profile is very balanced. It smells so damn good too. (laughs) And it has just like a lot of beauty from the oak that we age it in. So, you know, rum can be made anywhere in the world Mm. and it just has to come from sugarcane. And you kind of divide the world of rum into two main categories from there. You either crush the sugarcane and get the fresh juice and Mm. you have your fermented fresh juice that you make your rum from and those are going to be like your agricoles um funky yeah yeah vegetal you know like a totally different flavor profile and then you have rum distilled from molasses and it takes a lot of different flavors and forms um and for us it's cool because all of our sugarcane grows down in nicaragua we have these young active volcanoes so the terroir down there is perfect for sugarcane a lot of inherent nutrients in the soil a lot of heat a lot of rain and um and and a long legacy of figuring out how to do it right (laughs) (laughs) so you know like i always tell people too like rum is really complicated um i think that's part of why there isn't a lot of information out there about like you know what like what what even is molasses right like molasses has so many things in it so many like amino acids and like just nutrients you can cook it at various levels too right so you take this raw juice how much do you want to cook it yeah so the more sugar that you pull out you know yeah the lower or the more caramelized your molasses becomes 
Um, so it's this it's this combination of being all Nicaraguan grown. So the molasses of in of itself has like a nice kind of minerality to it. Yeah. It's really nutrient rich. And that's the base ingredient. You know, I often tell people like when you're learning about any spirit, it's so important to think about what the base ingredient is because that's the backbone of what it becomes. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's this amazing Nicaraguan molasses. And we do um, two different fermentations. Oh, really? Yeah. So we ferment with pineapple yeast and, oh, cool. and plantain yeast. So they impart, you know, it's it's local. It's sure. they've they've but they've know, cultivated it. They've not cultivated your, yeah. it, yeah, because you have to have a consistent yeast yeah. to have a consistent product. Um, something I learned a lot about at the brewery. Sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, so those two different fermentations, and then paired with our aging process, everything's bourbon barrel aged, a minimum of four years. So we had a lot single of single use, I guess already, right? Single use, yeah. yep. So bourbon barrels, you know, just a quick refresher are always American oak. They're always charred, and they're only used once for bourbon, mm. right? So they're filled with that fifty-one percent or more corn mash, right. and um, and it's a consistent thing for us to age in. So for a long time, um, they were getting their barrels from Brown Foreman. We now like just source from bourbon. Bourbon, the bourbon world has really blown up too. Sure. Like a lot since, more selection now. I'd yeah, say. since Florida Kanye has also been a company a long time. Um, so the the aging process too is is unique because a lot of rums will do like a Solera system. Mm-hmm. So for us, every barrel is kept as a single barrel oh, no until the master blender goes in and picks. Like I'm going to blend the ten year with the seven year and a little bit of fourteen. Oh, you really know. cool. So yeah. it's very much like a he has a legacy and a and a and a role like a Scotch whiskey blender right. or master distiller does. So he does all the distillation, like everything. Wow. And I and he just amazes me. I'm like, Tomas, you're the, he's the artist and the scientist. That's like right, he, yeah. you know, it's like my dream. <laughs> like, <laughs> so the, per- yes, the perfect hybrid yeah. of right and left brain. Yeah. So he's been with the company over 30 years. Wow. So it's really, the rums are, are truly, I think, you know, a showcase of his expertise. And it's amazing. Yeah. This is 80 proof in seven years, right? Yeah. So the seven year I, I poured for you because, um, you know, it's the one that, got me back into Florida Kanye. It's the one that got me kind of why I'm sitting in front of you right, right now. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's just a great, like, you know, a lot of times I go into bars that have such a limited mix of rums and I always want to bring this one with me to show like, hey, you don't have a good just aged rum on your bar. Mm-hmm. You have a dark rum, you have a coconut rum, you have, you know, you have all these different things, but not like a, just something that's great to sip mm. or you can mix in cocktails, you know? <laughs> Man, it is. It's one of the. I've used it all the time in daiquiris. I mean, yeah. I like to split it. That's one of those things that's kind of interesting about rum too. You talk about the different styles. I like splitting this with like a Jamaican style. Oh yeah, because totally. you get some funk and because this is the sweet and sultry, sexy one. Oh yeah. But then you want the wild one. It's got like the piercings and the tattoos and stuff with her. That's what I love ones. too about like tiki bars being so popular right now. Is yeah. people seeing how you know the different tiki spots will do their house rum blends and what they choose and how they it's how so they cool. do it yeah it allows us to be a little bit of a blender ourselves you know <laughs> which is a very cool thing yeah well so you talk about bold flavors you talk about innovation i recently got back from chicago and did have a five guys one of the best nights of my life had a five course 
parent dinner at the aviary. Oh, amazing. So this was perfect. I was like, oh, shit, because I got the email. You are going to see the whole, I love it. Okay. The aviary is amazing. Yeah, so it's we, incredible. we basically were like, okay, we want people 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 to experience rum in a way that they've like never experienced it. Yeah. And what better way than to bring the aviary to the table sure. because they are so theatrical and it's all such a show. But what I love is they're so tonight they're gonna do a whole mix of cocktails with our whole portfolio. Oh my gosh. So beyond the seven, we have a 12, an 18, and a 25-year. Really? And so they come up with, like, they pull apart the flavor profiles of each of these rums. Yeah. And the cocktails, I'm not going to, like... No, don't even... No spoilers. <laughs> so, are we allowed to take pictures at the event? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Because this is... Oh, man, and I love the Austin scene. Been here 14 years. This may be the singular moment where the game gets up. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because like we got brilliant minds. Yeah. I've Nickel seen City it. is just a great spot. Mm-hmm. And it's like t- totally like it's not fancy, but the things are executed just so perfectly. So to bring the aviary in, was that even like a difficult thing logistically? Because they've got all these tools, <laughs> right? Like they've got like a Our production team is amazing. Yeah. No, it's it's totally uh they have a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. But it's so much fun. And it's it's fun too to see them like out of their element in a bar like Nickel City, like just the juxtaposition, <laughs> oh you know? My gosh, yeah. Because at the aviary, they're like behind a cage. Yeah. They're not like interacting with people. They're chefs, That's basically, right, yeah. you know? Um, and it's so fun too to see like the other bars that we bring them into, like how their staff interact, you know, and like yeah. they get so it's it's so cool to for the bars that we bring together to see all of the like new friendships and just learning that comes out of that and then also Dude. to show people like uh, who maybe don't get to go to chicago or you know and yeah. see what they do and to really bring it to life it's such a fun i mean this is brilliant i, I feel privileged to have been invited to this <laughs> thing man like this is this is gonna be amazing rad. really super excited about yeah. it have you guys done this pop-up elsewhere in this yeah so we did it last year in san francisco and in oh. la and they were such a hit that we did it again this year. So we did it last week in Miami, oh, in South Beach, and now here in Austin. This is brilliant. Yeah. How's your itinerary look while you're in town? Book solid, I think, right? You know, I think there's a little bit of room to maybe hit some spots later tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Any Anywhere you think I should. <laughs> oh, man, if you're doing Tiki, you got, you got to go to the Roosevelt Room for sure. Okay. Those guys are brilliant. I haven't been there yet. Yeah. yeah. I good, love it. Good partner, too, I think, with all the William Grant I love stuff, it. So. But it's good to have you in Austin. So I got two questions left for you. Okay. And we get to sip this fine rum. I mean, again, if I was getting paid a bunch for this, this would probably be the best job ever. <laughs> Just to sit here and chat with people and sip. Some totally. It'd be brilliant. I always am curious. Now, ask everybody this question. Let's take the Florida Kanye seven year and you're sipping it anywhere you want in the world. Perhaps it's a beach. Maybe it's a beach. But you can have a conversation. Deep one at that with anybody, living or deceased. Who would you love just to sit, sip some Florida Kanye seven year and have a conversation with? Oh my goodness. Yes. You know, you know who I would want to is honestly Gloria Vanderbilt. No kidding. <laughs> That'd be fabulous I recently, conversation. So I recently watched on you know, on the airplane, watched this documentary and on her life, and it's like she has lived nine lives, yeah. no joke, and I just think it would be fabulous to meet her and like a woman who has reinvented herself 
a million times. I just think it's fascinating. That's amazing. I'm sure it would be nothing short that's like just fresh in my mind and it's like (laughs) it's so funny when you're put on the spot like hey gloria vanderbilt why not that's the great thing because (laughs) that question it permeates or rather it mutates yeah where you're at right yeah winter you know what are you drinking all that that's a brilliant (laughs) answer well the last piece is it seems like the ultimate you get this amazing role about two years and counting here with florida kanya i can't imagine i i feel like you've got the capacity to do so many great things, both in science and education. One, do you see this role expanding for you? And two, is there another role that is even maybe a larger, better next step for you? So that's a really great question. It's something I think about all the time because working for William Grant and being being a part of the ambassador team is incredibly special. And William Grant is very supportive of the ambassadors taking their role and really turning it into something personal and making it your own. And I'm thinking a lot lately about what those next steps look like. Um, We've recently grown our team quite a bit. We now have an East Coast ambassador and we have ambassadors here in, we have an ambassador here in Austin and in Miami. And so we have like this little team now and um, it's very, it's a very exciting time for me thinking about how we as a team will grow and and bring all of our unique traits to the table, sure. and how we'll bring Florida Kanya to life through that. Um, and just like recently, I got a little email too that William Grant allow like has a program where people can go and learn distillation and like the deep science of oh, cool. that. So that might be for me a next step just yeah. to like really strengthen that knowledge. And I want to learn more about molasses and more about the actual distillation of rum because it's quite complicated mm. and um, it fascinates me. And it's like that educator deep down inside of me, sure. like just wants to keep learning so that I can just keep growing people's knowledge of paying rum. it forward, paying yeah. it forward. Got a lot of good ethical. <laughs> Maybe have foundation. to get to a couple other rum distilleries too, just to you know. <laughs> well, there's no harm in that. Sipping is the research. Here. It doesn't. It doesn't suck that they're all in tropical places. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you could have wrote a better career with your background and you know the passion for. The I feel. I feel so lucky. Yeah. I really do. And. Like I said, though, earlier, I think that life is really what you bring to the table and just Mm. having the right motivations will present the right things. You know, like you attract good things when you put out, you know. You you attract what you put out there. Yeah. If you believe it's going to be great, it'll be great. Yeah. It's a good lesson, I think, for everybody to learn when they can kind of get down (laughs) now and again. And it's a lesson I learned behind the bar. Yeah. You know, like if you're bartending and you're in a bad mood, like your whole shift becomes awful and people have bad experiences because there's so much just human to human energy that we pass back and forth. And like, that's such a, that was one of the magical things that I loved about being a bartender was like seeing somebody come in and like just turning that around and like. And it is, I love your weightlifting analogy because like the more you do it, you know, you just like, you can see it and you pick up on it quicker and yep. like, it's great. The agility of our minds, <laughs> right? Well, it's been brilliant chatting. I, again, I'm so super. I can't wait to see you tonight. About tonight We're gonna, yeah. Oh my gosh. I just, I've even took a moment there just to think about it. <laughs> the aviary in Austin. This yeah. is fucking epic thing i'm so glad you guys were able to do it. I'm so glad you can come. Pictures, yeah, me too. Pictures yeah. forthcoming for sure. Oh yeah. So, 
Really appreciate you taking the time out to be in the seven-year Florida Kanye thing. Cheers. Ashley, thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.